When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Revive Her, a transformative space where we break down walls to unearth the incredible power that lies within every woman. We're your hosts, Haley and Noel. Dive into candid conversations about entrepreneurship, faith and relationships, and the journeys that define us. Whether you're a woman who's walking the path of self-discovery or someone who desperately needs to feel understood, Revive Her is your safe space to learn, heal, and grow. Are you ready? Almost three years ago, I held a gun to my head and I was ready to pull the trigger and Jesus saved me. Noel, you and I have had intense seasons of dry bones and darkness. Yes, absolutely. But we made it through the fire and that's why we're here to create a space that inspires and helps women walk through their fires. And that's what we want to cover in this episode is how to use your faith to alchemize your darkness. And we're both entrepreneurs. We've both built insane empires, but it hasn't always been like that. We haven't always been on top of the world feeling this (laughs) fierce confidence that we have in ourselves. Like I definitely have not felt that before this moment. It took me 30 years to discover the inner I love cats. I was going to say lion, but (laughs) the the inner power within me three years ago, I, if you had looked at my life from the outside, it was perfect. I had the perfect marriage, the perfect family. I had everything that I could have ever wanted, but I was broken and dead inside. And it compiled. There's not enough time in this episode to go through all of the trauma that got me to that point. But I was an anxious kid. I had attention-seeking behaviors throughout my uh, preteens and early teenage years. I always felt cast aside and rejected and abandoned and not good enough. And these feelings grew with every year. Every year I got older, the feelings of rejection and abandonment grew with me. And I started to be crippled by anxiety in my everyday life. Uh, Fast forward to late teens, I was sexually assaulted by a leader in my church. And Now, looking back at it, I realized that I was groomed and I didn't know what grooming was at that time. And I found this person that I trusted and that poured into me and made me feel seen for the first time. And um, that ultimately led to abuse and assault that I, of course, as a young girl was not prepared for. And after that happened, I carried so much guilt and shame with me because I would think, well, I was old enough to know better or I should have stopped it. Or when I realized what was going to happen, I should have been able to get away. And all of these things were coming into my brain. And I now know they were just lies of the enemy. But when you're in that moment, it gets dark 
to have something taken from your body that you didn't want to give to know that this trust that you had for someone for someone in the church for a church leader right, uh, to yeah. take advantage of you it's it's mind blowing for me to to think back at little young Haley and I just want to tell her like it's not your fault I wish I could go back and have this mindset but that's that's what brought me here today so fast forward all of that trauma just kept building within me and I would shove it back down. He would pop up at random times in my life, sending me text messages of threats. Sometimes, sometimes it would just be to remind me that he's around. He would drive by my house and go slow by my bedroom because my bedroom faced the road. And all of these things started building up. It's like, I couldn't get rid of him. I changed churches and he came and did music at one of my new churches. And I was like, I can't get away from this person. And it just ate away at me. So years passed, I started to go on mission trips. I was determined that this wasn't going to define me. That worked for a while. And then I realized I'm just ignoring this big ball of pain that was inside of me. And it eventually erupted and I became severely depressed I was so anxious that I uh, had to quit my job. I wasn't eating. I wasn't sleeping. I was avoiding phone calls and texts from family members and friends. And it got dark fast. So one night I decided I can't do this anymore. I truly believed in my gut that I had no purpose, that I was gross, that I was shameful, that there was nothing on this earth for me. And I really believe that the people in my life would be better off without me. And I laugh at that now because I know better, but I don't know if you've ever felt like you have no purpose, that you have no talent. I used to say my talent is being talentless and that I was super skilled at not being skilled. And I I really believe that about myself. And it took me going to a gas station with the intent to to kill myself, uh, getting a disgusting green apple four locos off the shelf. Mind you, I never drank like I was not a drinker, chug the thing in 15 minutes. And I sat on my bed and I waited and I waited for it to kick in. I waited to get to the point where I could pull the trigger. So I'm, I'm sitting on the side of my bed with my gun in my hands. My hands are clammy. They're shaking. I can feel like the sweat on my finger on the trigger and I'm just standing there breathing. So I turn music on and I start pacing back and forth in my bedroom with the gun under my chin. And I don't think I was necessarily talking to God, but I think I may have been talking to God, just saying, I don't want to do this, but I do want to do this. I don't want to do this, but there's nothing here for me. I don't want to do this, but this is all there is for me. This is how I feel. This is who I am. I'm nothing. And that night, God, and I was ready to do it, gun to the head, God sent my best friend. I have chills anytime I think about this. Anybody that knows me, you do not come over to my house unannounced. No. You always call beforehand, social anxiety. I always have my alarm set. This night, my I forgot to set the alarm and my best friend came over without notifying me ahead of time. So gun to my head, my best friend walks in and is obviously surprised me. Uh, She interrupted me trying to commit suicide and she was able to take the gun from me. And I get chills when I think about this because God told her to come 
see me that night. God told her to intervene. And had she not walked in my bedroom, I wouldn't be here. And I have chills and I'm getting emotional thinking about this moment because I felt so lost and forgotten and rejected. And in that moment, God was saying, I'm still here for you. I still love you. I'm not disappointed in you. I am here and you are worth more. And he reminded, he said all of that to me as I laid down to go to bed that night. My best friend removed pretty much everything in my house that I could have used. And I laid down and I was like, okay, God, I'll try. And at that moment, the very next morning, I found a therapist and I decided to get into therapy. And that was the point where I started to do the work and I started to do everything I could to get better. And I know, Noel, before I get to how I overcame everything, I know that you have also had some really dark seasons and you've also battled suicidal depression. So take me to your darkest moment. Yeah. So my experience, it's so crazy how similar it is because I had those same feelings of not having a purpose, being worthless, Mm. all of this. And nobody around me knew that I was struggling. Yeah, Not even Drew, nobody, but I had just had my first baby and Oakley, he is seven now, but he was an infertility baby. So we had a struggle conceiving him. It took us 16 months and it was just a struggle, but I wanted to be a mom more than anything. And I just remember that struggle of God, I know you've called me to be a mom. And it was like a desire that was so strong in my heart. And I had this precious baby. I had the best pregnancy, like the best delivery. It was just so magical. And I noticed immediately after I had him that I wasn't myself. I noticed immediately that something was off. I knew the night I had him, I laid awake all night in the hospital and just watched his chest like rise and Mm. fall with every breath because I was so anxious and I was so just not myself. That was unlike me completely. And so I come home and we got back to life. You know, I was in church this whole time. I think that's an important thing to remember is that there's never been a time in our struggle that we weren't serving God and that we weren't in church, that we weren't, you know, doing the Christian things. Right. But it wasn't the same. And I just didn't feel the same, but I let it spiral for about nine months. Mm, So that's a long time. Yeah. About nine months it spiraled. And I got to the point where I was sitting on my bed one day and I remember hearing, I heard the enemy speak to me so clearly. And he said, this baby that you have prayed for. And he started using it against me. Mm. This baby that you prayed for, this baby that God knew the desires of your heart. He knew you wanted to be a mom. This baby you tried so hard for, he's going to be the one thing that destroys you. Like he's going to be the one thing that kills you. And I got to this point where I was so lost in motherhood, you know, I was so lost in being a new mom. I was so lost in just not having a purpose and not feeling worthy that I was sitting on the edge of my bed. And I remember just thinking like, you're right. And like, I heard him say those things. And I just, 
rather than coming against him, you know, Mm -hmm. in the name of Jesus, I just said, yeah, you're right. You gave in. Yeah. I said, you are absolutely correct. And I remember just sitting there and I had like both hands on my knees and I just said out loud, I said, Drew is so much better off without me. And I remember thinking like, Oakley is going to be so much better off without me because I have no purpose. Like I have nothing to give. I have nothing to bring to the table. And I just remember like I looked up at the ceiling of my room and I said, I don't want to live. I don't care if I live and I don't care if I die. And so I started planning this like, okay, how am I going to do this? Like, what are the next steps? Like, I've already made this decision. Like, I'm not living. I'm not doing this anymore. And the next day I was at church and I was invited um, to a small group. And so they invited me to a small group. And I'll never forget that I was like, I'm not going. I'm not going. And I wasn't going because I had already planned on taking my life that night. And I was like, I'm not going. I got plans, you know, I got other plans. <laughs> and so, but she was persistent. The person who invited me, she was persistent. And she stopped me on the way out of church because like I said, I was going to church. I was battling this and no one knew. And she said, we're going to carve pumpkins tonight, a small group. And I want you to come. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, whatever. And she was like, you're coming. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll see you then. And in my mind, like I said, I was like, I'm not going. But she texted me and she texted me the address and she was like, come on. And so if you have been through this, then you know, the last thing that you want to do is be around people. Mm -hmm. When you're struggling with your mental health, you're planning like to end it all. And you're going through all these things. You don't want to be around a community. And it's because the enemy doesn't want you to be around a community. He wants you isolated. He wants you by yourself. And so I kept fighting these feelings of, I don't want to go. I don't want to, I don't want to be there. But we were all sitting around and we were having a Bible discussion. And I'm just thinking like, get me out of here. Like I got stuff to do, you know, but she looked at me and she said, Noel, what is holding you in the boat? Like what's keeping you in the boat? And I remember I just felt this urgency to tell her like what I was struggling with. And there was an entire group there. And once again, if you're going through this, you know how scary it is to just open your mouth and Mm -hmm. say it like I'm battling this. And just like you, I know our stories are similar. We both went to college for mental health. Like we both have that background. I knew what depression was. Like Mm -hmm. I knew, I knew all of these things, but I felt like I was exempt from it. Yeah. You know? So I told her and I told the whole group, I just felt this pressing feeling that felt like an elephant on my chest to say it. And I said, I'm battling postpartum depression. Like I'm battling suicide. I'm battling all of these things. And I'll never forget. She looked at me and she said, well, you might've walked in here feeling that way, but you're not going to walk out feeling like that. Mm. And it was through an experience I had with Jesus that night that those chains broke off of me. And it was through prayer and it was through a just church family that really intervened for me and that stormed heaven for me but the chain broke but that's not where it ended right Mm -hmm. so the chain broke and I felt like relieved I never had those thoughts I never had those feelings like I never had any of that and I had been um 
diagnosed with postpartum depression, but I never felt that sense mm-hmm. of postpartum depression. That's again. amazing. Yeah. And so from there, though, I kept that. I kept it to myself for 18 months mm. and I still didn't tell a soul other than the people who were there that night. And she would call me and check on me all the time and ask me how I was. And my fear was that they were going to tell people. That's that's what I say makes me laugh very loosely. Uh, things like this is y- you feel so embarrassed when yes. you have depression, when you have this crippling anxiety. Yes. You know, logically that you're not the only person that has gone through this, you know, logically that there are other women, other people that have felt this at some point, but in the moment, you don't think of that. In the moment you're thinking you're the only one experiencing this pain. You think that it's going to last forever. You think there's no end, that there's no out. And you are so embarrassed for someone else to find out because you're a Christian, you go to yes. church. You were raised in church. Yes. You shouldn't be battling this. You should pray. Prayer will get you through everything. Going to church is the answer. Pray, read the Bible, go to church. The three keys to yes. solving yes. any problem in your in your life. Yes. If you grew up in the Bible Belt like we did, those are the answers to everything. You pray, you read the Bible, and you go to church. You don't take medicine. You don't go to therapy. You definitely don't go to therapy. Right. Right. That's a that's a huge no no because Jesus should be enough and. Because we are raised in that, that's your mindset is I can't let other Christians find out about me because then I'm not enough. I'm not a good enough Christian. And so I think that's important to know that those feelings are so normal, but they're not, they're not true. Our feelings can deceive us and our feelings will deceive us. Yes. And I do believe that is a lie from the enemy. Mm -hmm. He will make you think like you should be mortified and you should be you know, embarrassed because he knows the moment that we open up our mouths to talk about it is the moment that we overcome him. Yep. And so for 18 months, I didn't talk about it. And I just prayed like, Lord, please help these people not to tell anyone. Like, I want to talk about it, but I don't know like when the right time is Mm -hmm. because I was mortified. But I finally got bold enough. And the time I got bold enough, I talked about it in front of my church. And so one Sunday, um, the girl who had prayed for me was back in our church and I just felt, I felt convicted. I felt this like heaviness. I felt this like urgency, like you have to get up and you have to share. And so I got up and I shared it and I was terrified. And it was the first time my mom heard it. Mm-hmm. Like it was the first time my husband heard it. It was the first time that everyone had heard it. But the moment that I spoke, just like scripture says, we Mm -hmm. overcome the enemy by the word of our testimony. The moment that I spoke, I felt this fire inside of me. And it was like a fire was lit for Jesus and a Mm -hmm. fire was lit to share my testimony. A fire was lit for me to live for him. And I had been in church, like you said, my whole life, but I never had that relationship with him. Mm -hmm. Like that just intimacy and that just fire to share about all he had done for me. So since then I've taken it and it's just spread Mm -hmm. It's spread in my life. And I took that pain and just really turned it into power. Mm -hmm. And all of those things that had me just held down and locked in chains. And I know, you know, that feeling Mm -hmm. of just being tied down and just in bondage because of it. I just felt it 
lift and I was ready to just shout it to the world like about his presence and his power Mm -hmm. and all of that but taking that and that's why we're here yeah that's why we're here today is to share and there's so much more like there's so much more that we're going to share about what we've been through and our childhoods and traumas but that's why we're here that's why I'm here Mm -hmm. is to just share all that he's done for me through that season. And I I love that you say that because there was a point in both of our lives that we weren't going to be here anymore. Plans were set. We were in the active, uh, we were actively like going to do it and God intervened. Like he chose to come in and stop that because he, there's a, one of my favorite verses in Jeremiah says, um, for I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you. They're plans to prosper you, not to harm or fail you. And we both forgot that yes. in those moments. And that's something I want you to know that I think this is a very important thing to cover is when you are so depressed or when that anxiety has gotten you to that point, you don't want to get better. There are moments where you don't want to try. There are moments where you want to feel depressed. Right. Yeah, you want true. to feel those bad feelings because you've gotten so comfortable with them. You've gotten so used to them. And there is a, a hope, I guess, when you're trying, when you're right. trying to get better, right. when you're trying to be more. And that hope crushes you when you don't fully get better. You might have a good day or two and then you fall back into it right. and then you beat yourself up over it. And so I want you to know if you have felt these feelings if there's a moment where you're like, I don't want to get better. I want to stay in this depression because it's comfortable. That's normal. That's a normal way our brains and mental health works. It's obviously not healthy, but it's nothing to be ashamed or embarrassed about. It's part of the process. And another thing that we both have similar in our stories is that we told someone we got to a point and we opened up to a trusted person we opened up and we gave light to the darkness. Just yes. that simple step of telling someone how we're feeling and telling someone how dark we are right now, that alone sheds light. That alone is the first step to more light coming in. You've cracked you've cracked the darkness and right. more light's yes. going to trickle in and that it's the hardest step I think is acknowledging how bad off you are and then actually letting someone else know and feel and see just how bad off you are. That's the hardest part. It doesn't get much easier after that. If I'm being honest, it sucks, but that's the hardest part is taking that first step. And then God is going to come in and he's going to do the rest. And what he did for us Again, that is the purpose of this is to be so vulnerable with everything that we've been through because we have come out on top. We both should be in the grave right now. If it was not for the Lord, we wouldn't be here. And that alone is such a testament to how good he is and how we can overcome these things. Yes, because I always think of we would have been the two girls that people would still be talking about like. I can't believe it. Mm -hmm. Like I had no idea. They were so happy. Mm -hmm. Like they had everything, you know, but that just goes to show you that none of us are exempt. Mm -hmm. Not one of us are exempt and you're not alone. You're never alone. And that's why we always will encourage you to speak out. We will always encourage you to reach out for help 
because you're not alone in that. But you have, there comes a point in time when you have to take off the mask. And I know for me, that was what it was for me. I had to just take off the mask because I realized that God couldn't heal a fake version of me. Mm. He couldn't heal me in my fakeness when I was faking it. You know, I had to take off the mask just so vulnerable and lay before his feet like, Lord, here I am, like a broken, hot mess, but Mm -hmm. here I am, you know, and he restored me and he restored you. Mm -hmm. And he has a plan for us. That scripture that you said was your favorite. That's how it ends. He has a plan for us and we have to believe that. Yeah. If you are feeling any of these things or if you have felt them and you're still struggling with them, like we are sitting here looking at each other to know like you can come through it. There is another side. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that all of a sudden in one instant we were changed. It took work, but our hearts were changed in an instant. Just because you follow Christ doesn't mean you're exempt from darkness or struggles. We want to invite you to revive your spirit by meditating on this scripture this week. If you're driving to work or if you're sitting at the house doing your housework, it's found in Psalm 23, 4. Even when your path takes me through the valley of the deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me for you already have. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely for you are near. So take that, read it in whatever translation resonates with you most, and remember that you aren't alone, as alone as you feel in these moments of darkness. I promise you, He is there. He is there waiting on you. He is there with open arms. And if you want to go deeper, download our free seven-day guide to revive your spirit in the show notes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.